We all want to feel peace in our lives, peace in our choices, our beliefs, our relationships, and our environment. I've learned that this desired contentment is often found through holding on to less. When we pare down what we own, what we consume, and what we value, we're left with what's intentional, a personalized curation of what is important and true and useful to us. I'm Shannon Laco, and you're listening to Paring Down, a podcast aimed at helping you declutter not only your home, but any area of your life that's overwhelming. Here, we're having interesting and honest conversations about the physical and mental clutter that drowns out what truly matters to each of us. And together, we'll learn how to pare it all down, not for the sake of perfection or becoming rigid, rather so we can move through life with less overwhelm and more joy, wisdom, and peace. Hey, you guys. Thanks for coming back again. I am so honored to tell you that this past week we hit well over 5,000 downloads since this podcast released only three and a half months ago. That's a pretty big number considering I am a little bit of a nobody. And it really just speaks to the fact that I think hopefully this subject matter is just really relatable, uh, that we are all trying to find a little bit more peace in our lives and have begun to recognize that that is within our power when it comes to our homes. And so uh, I'm just grateful to have all of you here. I'm grateful that this is a topic that really resonates. And I'm just grateful to know that the way that I've been able to share it with you guys makes you want to continue tuning in and is motivating and inspirational and hopefully entertaining as well. So it just means a lot to me. And I I shared that number on Instagram a couple of days ago, and I wanted to share it here because it means a lot to me to know that, I don't know, that I'm actually doing something that is helping you guys. You know, it's just it's such an honor. And it's so exciting because I, as you know, could talk about decluttering forever and ever. Amen. So this is really fun for me to do. It doesn't feel like work. And so, you know, just live in the dream in the podcasting world right now. Uh, Then today I want to offer an episode that I hope I can start doing more of. And that is answering requests or questions that come in via my DMs or comments or anything like that. Uh, I've had quite a few people be like, oh, can you do an episode about this or like this? And and recently I've had a lot of those requests that all kind of revolve around kids stuff, uh, different types of kids stuff, different struggles when it comes to kids stuff. But I felt like it would make a good episode to kind of put it all together because most of us are struggling with all different types of issues when it comes to the amount of stuff that kids bring in the house and how to get it out and all of that. So we're not going to cover everything today. We couldn't possibly cover all of the different uh, struggles with kids stuff today, but I'm going to go through some specific ones that have showed up in my DMs and, you know, maybe we will turn this into a series about kids stuff uh, where I pop in every once in a while and dig deeper into more and more and more kids stuff. Okay. Even if you don't have kids, I'm still glad you're here. If you want to listen, I think that's rad because we could probably take some lessons that I'll be talking about today regarding how to declutter children's stuff and totally apply it to our own things or maybe somebody like a partner that's in the house or a roommate that, well, roommates are a little harder, but uh, you know, with your partner that communication or just ideas for how to approach things. I think that this can really translate into a lot of different kinds of relationships. So thanks for being here, even if you don't have little kiddos driving you crazy. Uh, Okay, so let's dive in. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of things that are pretty easy to get rid of when it comes to kid stuff. And I'll gloss over those a little bit, honestly, because I want to dive into the meaty stuff, the things that are really hard, like sentimental items, educational items, really practical things. Um, and the last one is about older kids, which I don't have experience with yet, but I still felt like I have some ideas that I can speak to. Those are the kind of the hard ones to deal with. Um, but the easier ones that I want to give you permission to just go ahead and declutter and not to overthink it and get stressed out about are things like light up toys or like plastic toys, goodie bag items, right? These are items that I think for most of us are kind of easier to declutter. Um, with light up toys, kids just lose interest pretty quickly. Or they might just choose one that they love, right? Like young babies or young toddlers. They have that one light up button toy that they just zone out on. And I'm sure education experts are like, this is as bad as TV. But you know what? I remember we had this one cube for my, well, now my six-year-old, but when he was a uh, baby slash toddler. I guess he was a toddler. Technically, he was like 18 months when we moved cross country from Virginia to Alaska on a road trip. And I was pregnant with our second and we didn't do any screens for him on that a road trip. And um, he just had this one block and it had four different sides. Some parents might know what I'm talking about and has like four buttons on one side that light up. And then it has like little things you can hit and they spin around on another side. And then, you know, they had each side had something fun for him to do. And man, that thing, I remember it. It was a little member of our family. So they might choose one, but then there were so many other ones that you get as gifts for their first birthday or for a baby shower gift or whatever, or that they're at the store, you're walking through Target and you're early on in your motherhood journey and it looks so fun and they want to touch it and you get it for them before you realize that these things will take over your life. Uh, <laughs> so just getting rid of those, I feel like it's kind of easy because you know that your kid just basically never touches it um, or they just have one that they do. Uh, same thing with like plastic clutter. I feel like, for instance, toy food, all parents are pretty willing to get rid of too many pieces of a set that has like, you know, toy food or whatever, you know, that those kinds of things are just annoying. And the kids really, we've come to learn, don't need those kinds of things in order to be creative. My kids love pretending to cook in their kitchen. I've mentioned this before, but we don't have a ton of toy food because if they need another avocado, they can just grab a green Duplo, right? Or a strawberry. They just grab a red Duplo. Like kids just don't need the literal thing in front of them. And so I think as parents, we start to realize that and you're just like, this thing is a pain. I'm getting rid of it. <laughs> and so, so at least for me, I've realized that or like, you know, just like dumb things like toy snakes or souvenirs or any plasticky kind of one off toy. I, I think in general, most of us are pretty down to get rid of mostly because our kids are pretty down to get rid of them or won't even notice. Um, those kinds of things often exist when we have kids that are young enough that can't quite declutter on their own. And we do kind of do it behind their backs a little bit because they're not old enough to need that level of respect or involvement because they just can't wrap their heads around it. You know what I mean? We're not like evil stealing candy from a baby, but like we kind of are, you know? Um, so plastic toys are pretty easy. At least 
in my opinion, I guess I don't want to say it's easy for everyone. I want to be empathetic here. Um, and then the last one on the easy list is goodie bag items, even though I know they really overwhelm a lot of us as parents, whether recently we had Valentine's come home and it's just like our counters are covered in all of these random trinkets and candy um, or goodie bags from birthday parties or treasure box items from school on Fridays. I don't know if your kids' teachers do that, but my kids' teachers everywhere have always done um, goodie bag or sorry, treasure box items like little bouncy balls or little funny rings or whatever. And I think it's cute. It makes the kids feel um, excited and it's good motivation for good behavior. You know, I'm all about when it comes to behavior, trying to reduce uh, like punishment and consequences and increase uh, good behavior bribes, if you will. <laughs> like, I just feel like it's a more positive way to do it. Like my kids are very motivated by like you know, it's a, it's a difference. I'm totally getting off subject here a little bit, but it's a difference of saying, if you don't come here right now, then you don't get to have a sleepover with your brother tonight versus if you come here right now, you can have a sleepover with your brother tonight, right? Like it is the same thing, but the motivation is a positive one. So you know what? I think it's great that teachers offer a little fun treasure boxes items, but those are the kinds of things that come into our house and we're like, come on, what do I do with this? And I want to encourage you that I feel like those things are designed in a way for kids to lose interest quickly. Don't stress out. Just like let them be like you are going to be okay, especially if you've already decluttered really well. I think this is key. Our home's pretty decluttered when it comes to toys. Um, so by having like 10 little trinkets around for five days until the kids forget they exist or the dog eats one or I'm just like, whatever, I'm finally throwing it away. Like we'll survive for those five days. Like don't stress out and be like, I have to get rid of this stuff immediately. It comes in and I promise you it will not last, you know, so just kind of go on the ride on the trinket ride and then get rid of it when you find it inevitably in a corner. They will not remember. So those are the ones that I think are relatively easy. So let's go ahead, though, and dive into uh, hard ones, sentimental items. Let's go there. I do have an entire episode about sentimental items. I talked a lot about losing my mom to bladder cancer in 2012 and going through her stuff and how that has affected my view of sentimentality inside of stuff. And I did mention how uh, the lessons I learned with that have translated into my kids' stuff when it comes to things I'm holding on for the future. Uh, and so you can go back and listen to that a little bit. But ultimately, you know, I keep when it comes to things that are not in use currently. So let's talk about baby clothes or maybe baby blankets or anything that you want to keep for keepsake. Have a physical boundary. Say I have this one small bin, not one of the big giant totes, everybody, but like one smaller one, maybe the ones that are maybe six inches tall are pretty good. That's a, that's a pretty good size. You can fit in, you know, one baby outfit, one toddler outfit or whatever. Um, and let that serve as a boundary for you. Uh, that's really helpful. And then to keep that mindset that your kids, they will exist within you and your memories more than the stuff. We have so many pictures these days too. You don't need the, all the items of your favorite uh, outfits to trigger a memory, right? Like I think a lot of us do family yearbooks or we have pictures on our phones that we want to organize, which I'm going to do an episode about organizing pictures too, because I think it's sad that so many of our pictures go to die since they're all digital. I'm a big fan of physical pictures, but then obviously there's a way to do that without it 
becoming clutter. So we'll talk about that another time. But the point is, you know, when I lost my mom, I realized quickly that she lives in me. Like when I reach for something and my hands look just like her, when things come out of my mouth as an adult that I'm like, whoa, that was my mother, (laughs) you know, and pictures I have of trips we took together and just memories, right? Like we'll be okay. We will remember. We love our kids so much. We are not going to forget everything and we might forget some things, but we have to recognize too, that those things are not forgotten completely in the sense that they are part of the reason we love our kids so much. We don't have to remember every last experience and outfit that they wore for those outfits and experiences to have been valuable in developing our relationship with our children. So anyway, I do encourage you to go listen to that other episode about sentimental items. I think it's episode five. I did it pretty early on for more of these mindset shifts that are helpful. But let's talk about the things that are in current uh, rotation, in current use when it comes to kids stuff uh, that are sentimental. Books, for instance, Uh, is a big one. This is a request that I had. Can you talk about children's books? Because I know so many of us just love them, right? Actually, you know, what's funny is last night was my son's book fair for school. And man, when I go to those book fairs, it brings me right back to book fairs when I was a kid. And I've seen there's like a meme out there that's like, book fairs are like what conditioned me to be a an over consumer or something like that. Of course, the meme is like a thousand times funnier than what I'm saying, but it's true. Like as little kids, we see these new shiny books and they just all smell so good and they're so exciting. And they have our favorite characters on them and they're just, oh gosh. And I felt that last night. I was like, oh man, book fairs are what's up. And I'm a big reader too. So they're very addicting to me. So I'm glad someone asked me to talk about books because I completely understand the struggle. So here's what we do. Any that are falling apart, we say thank you so much, sweet book, but you got to go. Kids rip books apart all the time, pages and spines of books and whatever. And there's only so many times you can tape a page back in before you're just like, this just was not meant to be in our house anymore. You know, so I encourage you that even if it's a great book, just to be like, obviously we loved it well, especially if you guys don't pick it up as much anymore. Just saying it's time to go if it's falling apart. If it's a book that you just never really read, Like, maybe it just has too many words. I mean, can we be honest? No one wants to read their child a bedtime story that's 10 minutes long. We're tired. I just want them to be in bed. If they're like, whenever Aaron and I have been like, I don't want to read that book. It's just, it's too many words. It's got to go. And we just let it go. By the time there are that many words in a book that we feel like would be beneficial for a child is when our kid can read. When they can read that many words, they can have a book with that many words in it. And so, you know, we donate books that have too many words in them. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to authors. Uh, So that's, I mean, it's just practical. If you don't want to pick up the book and read it to your kid, or if they don't really like the book and never choose it, let it go, like Elsa says. Also, if the kids are just past the age of it, right? Like, oh, I loved brown bear, brown bear. What do you see? I see an orange duck looking at me. Oh right? I love those books. Um, There's a couple other ones. Oh, five little monkeys jumping on the bed, right? And my two and a half, almost three-year-old is just at the end of those kinds of books. Um, But, you know, ones that identify colors and I don't know, all of those. I mean, maybe I should still do it. It's not like my three-year-old knows all of his everything, but ultimately he just wants books about trucks and cars and... (laughs) So there are just some books that were a little bit past, right? And, and letting your kids grow up and saying, it's okay. It's okay that they're not, 
they're too old for these books now. You don't need to hold on to them. It's just realistically, you're not going to read them. So, you know, if they're falling apart, if you don't really like them, if your kids are too old for them, those are easy ways to get rid of books um, and be a little bit ruthless about it. I mean, I've done some pretty massive book declutters. I remember we had bought all of the, um, by we, I mean, my husband <laughs> had bought all the books. What is it? Rocket Science for Babies or Physics for Babies or, um, uh, you know, and nuclear engineering for babies. They had this whole series and they're hilarious, but I never read them because they never really made sense to me. And it's not like my kid was really learning about nuclear engineering. It was more so just like they were funny novel books. And I was like, why do we have 20 of these books taking up space? Right? Like, and they were beautiful books, but they just had to go. So sometimes you just got to be a little ruthless and a little practical and it's hard. But the good thing about books is that they are so loved at thrift stores and wherever, you know, you can even call your library or talk to your library and ask if they want children's books donations. That's a great way to do it. And that does bring me to the library. Kids books at the library are awesome. They're so fun. And it's not like people really put holds on books at the library for kids books. So my son, for instance, there's this one book about hammerhead sharks. He loves hammerhead sh sharks. So instead of going on Amazon and buying him a book about hammerhead sharks, we went to the library and it was such a fun experience. We told the librarian, where can we find a book about hammerhead sharks? So she looks it up and walks us over to the shark section. And Anders just thinks this is the coolest, right? Like it's so personalized. And she goes, here are all our shark books. And you can look through and see which ones are about hammerhead sharks. And so we did. And we found like two or three books about hammerhead sharks. And, um, and we took him home and one of them he just loved. He just thought it was the greatest. So you can renew holds on the library. We just use the website. It's so easy. I just go to it on my phone and uh, you see what your holds are that you or your current books that you have checked out and you can just push renew hold. You can do that twice and you for libraries, you get to keep them for three weeks. But if you do that twice, you have this book for nine weeks. That is a long time. Most kids get over books by nine weeks of reading them. And then we take it back. And if a month or two later, he's like, oh, I really want that Hammerhead book again. I go right back to that library. I know which where it is now. And I go get it and check it back out for free. Because you know what? I don't need to spend $15, $10 on a Hammerhead book. Like I just don't need. And who knows if it's going to be one he loves, right? We picked three from the library. And then he decided which one he really likes and gets really attached to as kids do. Sorry, I'm going on a long tangent about this. But the library is so awesome. Same thing with Josephine. She was like, I want a book about Ariel. So I asked the librarian, can you help us find a book about Ariel? Because I don't have time to sift through all the shelves and figure out all the different numbers and letters and what they mean and how to find one about Ariel. Like, I just don't have that time. Librarians are there for a reason and they are so helpful and so wonderful. And so she did the same thing. She looked them up on her computer, wrote them down and came with us to the kids section and picked out three different books about Ariel for Josephine. And it was such a lovely time. And our kids love the library because they feel like it's such this personalized, cool experience. So I really encourage you to use library books. It really, really lowers that clutter for kids' books. Moving on. This episode's going to be 4,000 years long if I don't start speeding things up. But books were a big one. I, You know me. I mean, if you've listened to my podcast, you know I am a big book girl. Okay, so we talked about the sentimental items a bit, books stuffies and dolls. Let the kids lead the way. Oftentimes we are more attached to certain stuffies than they are. And don't get me wrong. My daughter loves her stuffies and so does my son loves them and their dolls. But sometimes the kids are better at recognizing which ones they actually are attached to and which ones they're not. So doing that with them, I find to be really, really helpful. And sometimes I'm like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure you don't want this one? Because I have memories attached to it, right? 
if you really feel like you can't get rid of one of get rid of one, don't pressure your child to keep it because the second you say, "Are you sure?" they're like, "Oh, you're right." <laughs> you know? Just say, "Okay." And then if there's one that means a lot to you and you're not ready to part with it, put it in your sentimental items bin that we talked about and revisit it in a year. And if it still feels super sen- sentimental in a year, then fantastic. That's part of your collection to look at when you're 50 and you miss all your babies. Kid artwork, I guess that's kind of part of sentimental stuff that I again, physical boundaries. This is so important. There are different options like Archive where you, they you send them all the kids work, they take pictures of it and turn it into a beautiful book. I personally don't use that. It's not my vibe. Some people love it. I want the actual fingerprint on the piece of paper. Like I want the physical copy of it. So I just am very particular about what I keep. I don't keep a lot, but what I do generally has like their handprint or a fingerprint on it. Um, or it's just something that really represents like my, my son worked really, really hard on this awesome hammerhead drawing, you know, and that just represents a really fun time in his life when he as, again, is obsessed with hammerhead sharks. Um, so <laughs> he's literally joining a swim team. And he said the reason he wants to be a good swimmer is so he can learn how to scuba dive and go swimming with hammerhead sharks. Like it is, it's it's quite the uh, obsession around here. So, you know, just I'd say choose a physical boundary. For me, I have one folder per school year inside of a file box, and that's what they get to keep. And if it doesn't fit in there, then goodbye. But, you know, be specific. Okay, let's move on. Sentimental items was the first big thing. Books, clothes, stuffies, kid artwork. Number two, educational ones. They're really hard to let go of. Educational toys. We're talking board games and matching games. Counting uh, like blocks, stacking blocks um, with like different colors and numbers on them. Maybe puzzles. This is what you need to know. This is what I want you to walk away knowing. They will be fine. They'll be fine. I am not saying that your child's education is not important. Okay. I obviously it is children who are, their education is supplemented at home with their parents. Don't struggle as much in school. These things are real. We want to make sure our kids are um, set up for success. However, they'll be okay. I have taught my daughter, Josephine, Well, I haven't really taught her a whole lot, if I'm being honest with you, but she somehow knows her colors. She can count. She's she's four and she can count to, I don't know, probably 50, you know, definitely 30, which I know that they do in pre-K the year before kindergarten. Everyone has to count to 30 and she's not in that year of school yet. And she's easily there. She uses scissors like nobody's business. She's bomb at that kind of thing. Um, She can identify most of her letters, all these things. She's, they would consider her relatively ahead. And I'm telling you, I did not use educational toys with Josephine. I just didn't. I didn't have the time or energy. She was only number two. God bless Warren. I mean, we're helping Warren as much as we can. My third child has a little bit of a speech delay, so we are being a little more intentional with him. But um, the point is that we can teach our kids without all these things. You know how my kids have learned to identify letters? Is when when we're in their car, I always look at road signs and I say, what does that sign start with? And they figure out the letter. There are so many opportunities in this world to educate our kids without the toys. My kids learn their colors. You want to know how they learn their colors? All of them so far have learned their colors because when I'm folding laundry, I say, can you take this red sock and find the other red sock? Can you fold this blue shirt? What color is the shirt that mommy's folding? What color is the shirt you're wearing right now? 
right? Like we don't need all of the educational stuff for them to learn. Uh, And the toy industry will make you think that you do need those things, but I'm here to tell you that you do not. So if you have all of these educational toys that are just a pain in your butt because they require you sitting down and teaching your kids, let's be honest, we all want toys that the kids play with without us, right? Like maybe that's just me. I love my kids, but like, I don't love sitting down and just like playing with them. I love taking them on adventures. I'm good at that. And I'm good at connecting with my kids in other way, but like, I don't want to sit and do flashcards or whatever. I do like doing puzzles with them. I think that's fun. But if you have these toys that are just annoying you and they're in your way and you don't really like using them, but you don't want to get rid of them because you don't, you're afraid you're like, oh, they should have blocks with numbers and colors on them so they can learn them. Just be like, oh, I can teach them that while I do laundry or do dishes or whatever. Like another reason I'm a big fan of not having like all neutral colored children's items, like the, you know, kids plastic dishes or whatever is because it's a really good opportunity to be like, this is a pink plate. Do you want the pink plate and the green fork? (laughs) You know, and this is a circle plate. This one's a circle. This one is a big circle, little circle. And they learn big and little, right? Like, I know it sounds obvious, but like, sometimes we forget and we think we need all these games to teach them opposites and colors and numbers and letters. And the world around them will teach that if we're intentional in interacting with our kids. Uh, So be gone, toys. All right. Number three, practical items. So we went through sentimental items, educational items, and now practical items like water bottles and snack cups, bibs and placemats, socks, shoes, extra backpacks for like extracurricular bags, hair accessories, crafting items, right? These are all practical. So we don't need all the extras. So currently we have two backup water bottles for our kids. They each have their own little water bottle and we have two backup ones. So they don't each have their own backup one. They used to, if I'm being honest, they did. And then one of them broke, but I wasn't like, oop, we need to replace this. It was like, well, usually only one of them, maybe two have lost their water bottle or misplaced it or hidden it somewhere in the house at a time. And we really only ever needed two backups. So we just have two backup water bottles. And, you know, if you're thinking about snack cups, you don't need 90 billion snack cups are all the different cool ones that you can find on Amazon where you can turn them in a circle and it opens the lid and this and that like you just don't need all of them now some people say they don't you don't need kid bowls or cups at all just let them use adult ones that's awesome if that works for you my kids are absolute maniacs and they are not ready for plateware that can break so uh we do use them but I I just encourage you to pare it down to not have a bajillion different ones. Bibs and placemats, that's a big one when you have younger kids too. I quickly realized that I had like six silicone bibs and like five cloth bibs and they're a pain to store. And I was like, why do I have all these? Silicone bibs take literally one second to run some water over it in the sink and it's clean. We went down to one bib and two uh, cloth bibs in case I needed to take them in public to feed them so fast, so fast. So just to encourage you, you don't need to keep everything that came with a set. Just because your little bibs, silicone bibs came with three, doesn't mean you have to keep three. Uh, Same thing with placemats. We loved placemats for our kids when we were little, when they were little, smaller than they are, but you don't need all of them. Socks, the same thing. Why do we have so many socks for our kids? Like, I don't know about you. I mean, I do laundry every other day. Even if you only do laundry once a week, 
they need seven pairs of socks. <laughs> Maybe, okay, that's not true. Kids go through things really quickly. They probably need 12 pairs of socks, but we have like 20 billion. My six-year-old is now down to, I think one, two, three, I can even count them in my head. I think he literally has seven pairs of socks. And sometimes there are days where I'm like, oh, he almost went to school without socks because I didn't do laundry fast enough. But you know, it's good motivation to keep going. You're just going to let things pile up more and more and more the more that you have, right? It's the same concept with silverware. Like you just don't want to have that many bowls or that many silverware because then you just can get away with not doing the dishes. And so then you don't do the dishes and then you have 1 million items to clean instead of just having four forks and four spoons and four plates, which forces you to wash the dishes if you want something to eat out of the next time. Uh, same thing with shoes. Our kids really just don't need all the extra shoes and the extra looks. My son has one pair of gray sneakers that can be dressed up for church and then he wears them to school and that's all. He has one pair of shoes. In fact, I don't know if I shared this on the podcast. One time I saw his pair of shoes on the floor and he had left about 10 minutes earlier for school and five minutes earlier for school. My husband takes him and I was like, huh, I wonder what's on my child's feet because his he has one pair of shoes <laughs> so I called my husband and I'm like what's on Anderson's feet right now and he looked in the back seat and he was about to drop Anders off at school barefoot like a full-on uh just I was gonna say redneck but I don't want to offend anyone <laughs> but anyways yeah he had to turn around and come home because my kid didn't have shoes on if I hadn't known that he only had one pair of shoes, maybe I would have just assumed he was wearing a different pair and he would have showed up at school and been dropped off and walked inside barefoot. Because I promise you, neither he or my husband would have realized he was barefoot until he was in his classroom and his teacher was calling me being like, what kind of mother are you? So, you know, it's it's beneficial to only have one pair of shoes and you don't trip over as many and kids can get away with it. Like he's not, no one's going to judge him for being at church with his gray sneakers on. That's why I don't choose like super sporty whatever type of sneakers. I choose something that's pretty. They can be dressed or dressed down and they're very comfortable for him. And that's all. So anyways, I, I went on this tangent, but my daughter, you know, same thing. She has one pair of sandals for the summer, a pair of white tennis shoes and a pair of brown boots. And those three shoes match everything. Um, I could go on and on. Your kids don't need backpacks for extracurricular activities. They can just use the one that they use at school. I'm talking about younger kids. I don't, I cannot speak to older kids with sports. I know that everything gets stinky or they need a lot of space or whatever. But generally speaking right now, if your kid is like seven and under and they go to soccer practice once a week or swim class, like just use the backpack that they bring to school. Like you don't need all the fancy sport bags for them. Same with hair accessories and bows and craft items. Like, just let them use what they have. It's okay. Your kid does not need every sort of crafting item available in order to be creative. That's a me thing. That's an adult thing. That is our issue. Kids don't need it all. They might think, oh, mom, do you have any cotton balls? I want to make clouds. And you're like, I don't have any cotton balls. Sorry, you'll have to figure out a different way to make clouds. And they do. They'll, they promise they'll figure it out. I guess that's about it for that, the practical items. I'm trying to get through these quickly because I told myself that this wasn't going to be a super long solo episode and we're already at 30 minutes. So thanks for being here, guys. Last thing I'm going to talk about because this was a request. Um, number four is adult kids stuff or maybe teenagers because this one's tricky because there's privacy involved, right? Like it's a lot harder to go through those things with our kids because there might be things they don't want us to see and that's okay. It's not them trying to be sneaky. Like at some point, we need to start trusting our kids to an extent, right? Know thyself, know thy children. 
but letting them learn and lean into being their own autonomous individual because that's a sign of great parenting. If your kid can go out in the world and be their autonomous self and make good decisions for themselves without having to tell you every last thing that's personal to them, I think that that's actually a really good sign, that independence. So I don't have adult kids, but I just thought this was an interesting request to talk about. I think college years are particularly hard because they don't have their own place. So their stuff is still at home, but they're not. And so as parents, I'm sure it's kind of like, I want to get this stuff out, but it's not like you can be like, take this to your own apartment. (laughs) You know, again, this is me kind of like thinking through how I might approach this in the future. Um, I would maybe text them and say, hey, I can I go through some of your stuff and I can take pictures of you, take pictures of things. Um that I'm thinking about maybe decluttering for you uh, and ask them to say, hey, would it be too private if I went through your room? And if they say yes, respect that. Uh, I think that doing small sections together during maybe a winter break or a summer break is an awesome way to connect. And this is why. First of all, you're setting them up for success when they move out so that they're not dragging a bunch of stuff with them into their first house or an apartment. So you can share that motivation with them. Say, hey, I, I want you to know you're, you can reassure them, and I think you should reassure them. You always have a place here. We always love you. We always want to see you and be around, but I'm excited for you to start this next chapter of your life. You are smart. You're hardworking, and I'm excited to see you thrive, and I don't want you to have to take all of this stuff with you from apartment to apartment, uh, and the kids are older. If their teenagers are in college, you can have like honest conversations with them and say, I'm trying to lighten my own load here at the house as you transition to this new stage of your life. Um, Ultimately, someone has to deal with all this stuff that's been here. So, you know, if you don't want me to do it with you, I understand or I can help. But like, just tell them, you know, I want this for you and I want this for me and um, use it as an opportunity to connect. You know, you could ask them instead of being like, when you get home, you have to come clean this out. Right. Like that sounds miserable. But say, hey, can we set a date up together? and you know, at 3 p.m., set an exact time you're going to do it. At 3 p.m., the day after Christmas, when you're home, let's make this a mother-son date or a father-mother-daughter date, however many people you want to be there. And can we just set a timer for one hour, just from 3 to 4 p.m., and go through your desk drawers, right? And just don't have to do it all at once. And Make it time spent together as a family, but make that specific time. Because I think if we say, oh, when you come home for break, I need you to clean out your room. It's never going to happen, you know, and and it's overwhelming. So set the specific times and have an honest conversation with your kids because they're old enough to, they might not understand, but they're old enough to have some level of empathy, hopefully. So, you know, that it is a tricky one. I don't have the perfect answer for you, but hopefully something in those thoughts that I just shared will resonate. And let me know how it goes, person who asked me (laughs) about that one. Uh, So anyway, I hope that today's episode was helpful. Again, we couldn't possibly cover all types of kids stuff, but these were specific questions that were in my DMs that I wanted to get out into an episode to, uh, to talk through together. So if you ever have questions or specific requests or say, Shannon, can you do an episode on this? I I have another one. Someone talked or asked if I could talk about doom piles. Uh, 
my mind is blanking. There was another big one. And I'm excited to talk about those things because I want this podcast to be helpful for you. That's the whole point of doing it. It's not just to hear myself talk. I promise. <laughs> All right. Thanks for being here, you guys. And uh, next week, I have an awesome guest, Yelly Heidecker on. Most of you know who she is. But if you don't and want to prep for the podcast next week, go look up Yelly, Y-E-L-I, Heidecker on uh, Instagram. And you'll see that a lot of people follow her for good reason. And you get to hear so much of her insight on the podcast next week. So I'll see you then. You just listened to an episode of Pairing Down with me, Shannon Laco. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean the world if you can leave a review wherever you listen and share this episode with a friend. Those reviews really are what keeps a podcast on its feet for the long haul. And I will read every single one with a huge smile on my face. So thank you ahead of time. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe. Also, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Pairing Down Podcast, where I offer lots of tips and inspiration for pairing down, along with what's new here on the podcast. Till next time.